Welcome to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? with your host, Jeff Stein. This program really does uncover the sometime myth that all are innocent until proven guilty. The truth is that many innocent people are found guilty of a crime that they did not commit. We discuss the judicial system, its flaws, and where it could be made better. Now, here is Jeff Stein. Welcome to the 18th live episode of Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? I hope all of our listeners had a great holiday season, and I would like to wish everybody a happy new year. As you know by now, there are many wrongful arrests and convictions in the United States. We are working to address these problems and with the integrity of those involved in the wrongful convictions within the judicial system. We will talk to victims of wrongful arrests and convictions, witnesses, people involved in the judicial process, and try to create an understanding that our current judicial system is not truth and justice for all, and that everyone needs to be aware this widespread problem in our country does not discriminate against race, religion, sex, or nationality. Anyone can become a victim of the judicial system because of false or coerced statements, ineffective assistance of counsel, lackadaisical police work, prosecutorial misconduct, jailhouse snitches, deceitful witnesses, and even dishonest expert witnesses. Today, our guest is a client of mine. Cynthia has been a victim of the system. In 2017, Cynthia was charged in a county within Pennsylvania with forgery, theft by unlawful taking, and receiving stolen property. The not-so-funny thing is, before this date, Cynthia had never even stepped foot in Pennsylvania. We're going to talk to Cynthia as she still continues to battle this wrongful prosecution and try to understand why the powers to be decided to make her life a living hell for the past two years. Welcome to the show, Cynthia, and thank you for joining us. How are you today? Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Well, we're glad you're here. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances, but Cynthia, I always share with our listeners And I'm not sure if you know that there are approximately 2 million people in prison in the United States. That's 2 million. And there's no perfect formula that can be applied to how many are innocent, but it is believed to be anywhere from 2% to as much as 10%. So even on the low end, that equates to 40,000 people, or on the high end, it could be as much as 200,000 innocent men and women who have wrongfully been convicted And that does not include people like you who have been wrongfully charged of a crime either. So those numbers are much higher, and you're a perfect example of this. And and we, in the United States, we have more people in prison with longer sentences than any other domestic country in the world. It's really crazy considering, you know, we're, we're supposed to be the best of the best. But for these very reasons, the defense must conduct its own investigation instead of relying on the investigation conducted by the prosecutorial team. And here's why. So, Cynthia, let's start from the very beginning. Not including motor vehicle violations, have you ever been arrested for any crimes prior to this incident? No. So you never stole anything and you have no criminal record? No, except, like you said, <laughs> Except for this, that that happened in that they alleged in 2017, and and you're a single uh, mom. You're you're a single yeah. mom, right? Mm-hmm. How, how many how many kids do you have? I have four, but um, I have four altogether. But um, I have two with me right now. Okay, 
and and I ask, we'll come back to that later, but I ask for a reason. So to kind of set the, the foundation, you were selling something on an app called Let It Go. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I have posted it on several places. Okay. So not, not just Let It Go. There were, there was other, like Craigslist, there are other things that you were you posted mm-hmm. the, the listing through. But it was the Let It Go app that they contacted you through. Is that correct to my recollection? I believe so. Okay. So let's walk through this. You were selling a washer and dryer and received a check from a business that happened to be located in Pennsylvania, and you live on the West Coast, correct? Right. So you received this check, and you deposited it like anyone else would do, right? Right. And at some point after you deposited that check, did the police contact you? Um, not right after. I believe it was a year later, maybe, or a little more. Okay, yeah. so almost a year later, the check, you, you received the check in 2017. And yeah, I received it in 16. Oh, it was in 16? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then sometime in 2017, late 2017, the police contacted you? No, I had a... Someone who called me from, I guess, a detective or something from Pennsylvania over the phone. And he... You know, as persons and told me to call back to the number that he had given me, and I left a message, but he didn't call me back. So then I had gotten pulled over in 2017, November, and um, that's. Well, you, you cut out. The last thing I heard. You you mentioned that you got pulled over in 2017. Yeah, for a traffic violation, and then uh, I had to, you know, go to jail for a couple of days, and then and, when and, they did. And, and so when you so when you got pulled over and and they brought you in, that's when you realized that there was a warrant for your arrest from Pennsylvania. Right. So you had no idea prior to that that there was any warrants for your arrest in, in yeah. Pennsylvania or anywhere else for that matter? No. No, okay. I didn't receive anything in the mail. I, I was anyway. just going to ask. I, I get I get bogus calls at least once a week, you know, from somebody claiming, you know, I, I get the IRS, I owe money, and if I don't pay money right away, they're going to come arrest me. And, you know, you get all these nonsense scam calls. You didn't receive any certified mailings to your house or any documents I, that they were trying to reach you or there was a warrant for your arrest? Not that I recall now. Okay. So now you find out that there's a, a warrant for your arrest and they decide, correct me if I'm wrong, but they decide to extradite you from the West Coast to Pennsylvania. Is right. that is that correct? Right. And that was all because of a check 
that was for one thousand five hundred dollars that you received. Mm-hmm. And so, can can you tell the listeners a little bit about when you were extradited? Because I don't think people realize that. You know, I think a lot of people are under the impression. So you're coming from the West Coast that they're going to put you on an airplane, and you know, with maybe a police officer and and handcuffs and and bring you you know to the from one airport to the next, but that's not what happened, right? They, no, they take you no. in a van. Yeah, um, it was like nine days total. Um, I did, but, but I ex- explain. I mean, I mean, tell us, talk, tell the listeners what it was like. So it was nine days in a van. So they, they pick you up in a van. And you're, are you handcuffed? What are you wearing? Who else is in the van? What do they do for nine days? Um, there is, I mean, just there are people from different states, you know, getting off, coming on. Um, you know, just you keep lives, I guess. I don't, I don't. Um, so, so other other people yeah. that that are, are arrested and being brought to court for for various things in different states. Right. Okay. Um, just, you know, that goes and in handcuffs. Um, were you in your... In your way, I guess. I don't know. I'm sorry, I, I, I what was know. that? I think they see you along the way, but I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just, I don't ever want to go through that. Sure. I don't even know. <laughs> and were you were you wearing your own personal clothes, or did they have you in like some kind of jumpsuit or anything? No, it was my clothes that I had. Um, that I had. The, so it was, well, it was. It was the clothes that you were originally wearing. Mm-hmm. And and how many days straight did you wear those clothes without being able to wash your clothes? Well, um, I don't even remember, honestly, to, because we stopped in... You, you were in the van for... You were in the van for nine was, days, but... There were two vans, um, it was the first van, and then I believe it was Missouri that we stopped by where, you know, we stayed for about two or three days, I remember. And um, waited for another van to pick us up, and then the rest of the time it was the same thing. So they dropped me off in um, Pennsylvania. Okay, so so just to recap, so you were in the van for I believe it was nine days, and, and somewhere in between, they stopped at a, a jail somewhere, and you stayed there for one or two nights in that jail, and then you got back. Then another van came and picked you up and, and took you the rest of the way to Pennsylvania, where mm-hmm. when when you're in the van, they're driving pretty much twenty four seven unless they stop because. Somebody has to go to the bathroom, or they stop at what McDonald's to get you food, or something like that. Yeah, some. Um, say, what's that? Yes. Okay. Okay. And so the only time you were able to shower was probably when you were in the jail at that point, right? 
they don't stop every right. night to take a shower or shampoo no. your hair or anything. It just sounds right. like it's uh, inhumane. I can't believe they would do that, especially for a bad check for $1,500 where you were a victim. You didn't even we'll, – we'll get into that. <laughs> so once you got to Pennsylvania – they brought you to the county. I, I don't want to say because I know there's still some ongoing things going on. So they brought you to the county in Pennsylvania where where they they charged you. And you were then there in that jail for over two months. Is that about right? I believe there was a month. Um, here on the West Coast, they held me for them like about two months, a month and a half. Okay. And and during that time, what happened with your kids? Um, the two, I mean, the two that were with you. So at that time, I had all four of them. Um, I sent them with their dad to their dad. And and um, he lived in another state, correct? Right, right. So your kids had to, because of this incident, had to leave the school district that they normally went to and, and and go to another state and another school for the following year because of this incident. Is that is that correct? Right. Okay. So during the time that you were in jail in, in Pennsylvania, I had found out that there was another girl who was previously extradited and arrested for a very similar incident, and she lived in New York, and she was selling four tires through the same app, Let It Go, and she received a check for over $2,000 that had been written out by um, on the same business account from the check you had received, and she was prosecuted mm-hmm. and ended up spending tens of thousands of dollars and eventually took a plea and paid restitution and that was before you were even brought back, brought into Pennsylvania. They knew this, right? Yeah, that's what I found out later on. Okay. And she was, just to tell the listeners, she was extradited from New York to Pennsylvania where uh, she had just returned from a, a flight, I believe. I want to say it was LaGuardia Airport, but I, I don't recall exactly. But she had returned from... Um, a trip and she landed in in the airport in New York and they had they identified that there was a warrant for her because of a, a check that she had received and they extradited her from New York to Pennsylvania not quite as far as from where you came from but nonetheless and, and she was a young girl at the time I, I think about 19 20 years old so here is is two people and there was somebody before you that was extradited and then you got extradited all over a check that was written on a particular from a, a particular business and you cashed both of you cashed and de- or deposited because you were selling items and you had nothing at all to do with any anything to do with the checks other than receive them and put them in your bank does that sum up that in 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 a nutshell? Yeah, pretty much. All right. This is a, a perfect time for us to t- take a, a quick commercial break and um, hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. ELPS Private Detective Agency is here to provide you with security and investigative services. Our specialties include criminal defense, surveillance, security consulting, loss prevention investigations, and more. ELPS Private Detective Agency is a dynamic team of professionals with over 30 years of experience. No case is too small, too large, or too difficult. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. Visit ELPSPDA.com on the web or call us at 877-SEE-THAT. ELPS Private Detective Agency. Fighting theft, fraud, and crime, one case at a time. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator, featuring stories and articles on current topics and issues written by professional investigators and leading experts in the profession. Real equipment reviews from top surveillance investigators with years of experience. PI Magazine offers investigative tips and practical advice for the newly licensed to the seasoned veteran investigator. Catch up on recommended sources, vendors, and professional services. Don't miss a single issue of PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? To reach Jeff Stein or his guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can send an email to jstein at elpspda.com. Now, back to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? Welcome back to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? And with me is is a client of mine who is uh, fighting a a case where she was accused of writing a fraudulent check and and being involved with this whole process. And in reality, she was a victim. So Cynthia is here with me. Cynthia, in, in layman's terms, basically what happened is someone created a pretty close replica of this uh, of this business's checks and they were buying things from various online apps like let it go maybe craigslist i'm not really sure what other apps um and and so forth and for the listeners it sounds like this case this county is basically extorting cynthia for restitution to the business however during my investigations, I discovered that the business had been made whole by the bank. So they are not out any money. And at this point, the case and restitution to the business is really erroneous. However, maybe they can still collect on behalf of the business and forward the funds to the bank. I don't really know. I'm not 100% sure how that works, other than the fact that the business didn't lose any money. And it's it's sort of like when and I think most of most of the listeners have probably been a victim where somebody got a hold of their credit card number 
And I, it, it's such a common occurrence in the United States and, and abroad right now where somebody gets a hold of your number and they make an illegal purchase on the credit card. You know, a lot of times it's, you know, it's it's gas, it's gift cards, whatever, whatever it may be. And you report your credit card or, or you find out that that transaction was fraudulent. You tell your credit card company it was fraudulent and they, they don't make you pay for it. You, you had nothing to do with it. They don't make you pay for it. But in this case, they want Cynthia and, and these other folks to pay for these checks that they received. So in 2018, I spoke to the detective handling this case. And he was not in a position to do, disclose too much to me. But I, I had mentioned to him what I knew. And, and barring anything that I was not aware of, both Cynthia and the other female vic- female were victims of a check scam. And he did not deny that. In fact, he stated to me that sometimes you have to arrest the middleman to get the money back. And so what he's implying is that Cynthia and this other girl, the middleman, well, how are they the middleman? They're not, they're not selling anything other than their own personal possessions. So I'm not a lawyer, but in his affidavit of identification, he states that her acts in, in the state where she lives in the West Coast intentionally resulted in a crime in this county in Pennsylvania. And, and folks, that is not true. There was no intentional act. Can a victim be arrested for a crime she did not commit? Does being a middleman mean that you have intent? I really would love to see how the media and the district attorney's office feel about this case from a layman's perspective. Would taxpayers be happy about their money being spent to prosecute and extradite these, these, these poor victims? And at some point, knowing that she was a victim like the rest of them, the bank should have sent her a certified letter requesting money back as they were the ones who were not out the money, not the business, right? I mean, wouldn't that make sense? When there is non-sufficient funds, I'm sorry, when there's non-sufficient funds in, in somebody's bank, you know, if you, if you write a check on your own personal account and there's non-sufficient funds, your bank takes the money back. Why was this process not followed? If this was a fraudulent check, why did the banks not communicate with each other and take the money back when it occurred? <clears throat> Excuse me. Reading the police criminal complaint, it states that she unlawfully altered the check and she intentionally received it. Again, I'm going to stress there was no intention. She was just she was a victim. Cynthia, you were a victim, just like the girl from New York. And and that's that's the sad thing here, because. You never had possession of that check until until you received it, and then you deposited right. it. <laughs> so there was no intentional act. Am I right? I mean, there, there was you had no personal involvement in this. Besides, you know, depositing it. That's the worst you did, right? You deposited the the check, and now all of a sudden you become a criminal. That has to get extradited and spend time in jail. Does that make sense? <laughs> Not to me, it doesn't. <clears throat> so, how did it feel to be in jail all that time, being in Pennsylvania when you've never been in Pennsylvania before? I mean, what did that feel like? Um, 
something I don't want to ever go through in my life. I mean, being away from family, my kids, you know, I mean, my family also spent a lot of money, you know, to spend new things or, you know, it costs money to support them. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. And, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. I, I'm going to, we're going to circle back to that because you're right. Um, this, this affects more than just you. It affects your family. It, it affects people financially. It creates a financial hardship. And I just want to give one more example. If you report, and this for any of our listeners, if you reported your car was stolen and the bank pays you out for the stolen car, Then you get a call six months later that the car was found. You can't keep the car. It belongs to the insurance company, right? Or you got to give the money back. (laughs) Hence, the business is no longer the victim. The bank is. But I don't see them mentioned anywhere in their complaints. The bank, just the business. When I was doing my investigation, I met with the business, and they informed me that there were many, many more checks that were attempted to be cashed. But they had changed their bank account numbers. Um, So because of this, because of of all the fraudulent checks that were being written, and at at some point in time, their checks were compromised leading to this fraud. I don't know. I don't know when. I don't know who. But that's what should be investigated. Who is who's doing this? Not the victims of who's receiving the checks. I remember I, I went to the bail hearing, the bail reduction hearing, and Cynthia, I don't know. Do you remember this? The prosecutors did not want to release you. We were trying to get the bail released because I think it was like a $25,000 bond. And they were trying to get you released on your own recognizance. But they felt that you were a flight risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and what that means is they felt that you were going to travel and they brought this up, that you were going to leave because you lived in, in, in a state. You were going to go to Mexico or somewhere. And. I mean, right. really, would you, have, would you have left your kids and went to another country? No. And, and, and I've asked you this before. You were never arrested for a crime. Hey, you've, you've never, you, did you ever escape from a prison? No. <laughs> so, I've never again, even been to prison. <laughs> right. So, but yet they didn't want to let you go. It, it, it just blows my mind. And I remember your attorney saying to them, if you were found guilty of this, you already spent more time in jail than what the punishment would have called for. So, for example, if you were found guilty of this, you may have served 30 days in jail. But all in all, you spent almost three months. You spent time in in one, one jail, another in Pennsylvania, and then all the time in between. So it was almost three months. You would have been really 30 days. (laughs) And so we had mentioned your kids had to go to another state. They had to go to another school because of this. And you you had just mentioned, like, your family had to spend a lot of money. Well, somebody had to, to send the kids from one state to another, right? I mean, they had to either drive or get on a plane and pack their bags. That all cost money. Then you had, And then you had to get home, right? So there was a flight for you to go home. There was money spent, you know, to, to put you up at a, a hotel for a night, you know, because we weren't sure what was going to happen. So 
your family comes together and tries to, you know, w- help you out financially as best they can. Um, once you were released and you, you went back home, were you able to find a job? Um, luckily my mom has gotten me a job where she, um, was working. Then I had, um, another job offer. So I stopped working there. But then that one fell through because my background has said that there was a felony pending. So, you know, I didn't get hired there. Um, so then I just got a job at a fast food restaurant and, you know, I mean, I had to. And that's my exact point, though. When you got back home, it was really difficult for you to get a job. You were not able to work for, for months because when they do a background check on you, it comes back that you, you have a felony complaint that, that has not been decided yet, right? It's an open court case. And so okay. pe- people didn't want to hire you because they're listing you as a felon, all because of this check that you received, right? Right. That's, um, it's sad. It's, it's really sad. And again, I I really want the listeners to understand that, you know, here's a a single mom with kids who was selling, selling stuff, received a check and in turn deposited that check. And it was a bad check that somebody gave her as a bad check. And she becomes a criminal in the eyes of this particular county. Folks, is this fair? Can you be the next victim? Victim? I hope not. But we need to fix this. And I guess the question is, how do you fix this? Because now it's a vicious cycle. And we see this all the time. It, it, it just it gets worse and worse because now you're out of a job. And, and I don't, Cynthia, I don't, I don't want to get into, I'm not trying to be personal. And, um, but it really becomes a financial hardship. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know, you, you sort of get further in debt because when you're not working, you still have bills to pay. You still have kids to feed. You still have kids to clothe. I mean, there's still things that need to be done. And it just, I'm sure it makes it more and more difficult. Does that, you know, without getting personal, but I mean, does that sound about right? That's right. Actually, I mean, not about right. That's exactly right. <laughs> So the only thing that I can think of, the district attorney's office wants money and they want another notch on their belt. Instead of looking at this as, as a human being and really the, the big picture that there was numerous victims, you know, did they even bring this business in? I mean, I, I talked to this business and, and they told me about all these other people, um, you know, who were, who were being victimized by this. And um, it just it, it just makes me shake my head, uh, totally shake my head. So we're going to take another quick break. Um, let's hear from the sponsors, and then we'll return and wrap up with Cynthia and go over a couple more things. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
ELPS Private Detective Agency is here to provide you with security and investigative services. Our specialties include criminal defense, surveillance, security consulting, loss prevention investigations, and more. ELPS Private Detective Agency is a dynamic team of professionals with over 30 years of experience. No case is too small, too large, or too difficult. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. Visit ELPSPDA.com on the web or call us at 877-SEE-THAT. ELPS Private Detective Agency. Fighting theft, fraud, and crime, one case at a time. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator, featuring stories and articles on current topics and issues written by professional investigators and leading experts in the profession. Real equipment reviews from top surveillance investigators with years of experience. PI Magazine offers investigative tips and practical advice for the newly licensed to the seasoned veteran investigator. Catch up on recommended sources, vendors, and professional services. Don't miss a single issue of PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? To reach Jeff Stein or his guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can send an email to Stein at elpspda.com. Now, back to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? Welcome back. And we are... Back in 2020, can you believe a whole decade has passed us and we're starting off January of 2020, continuing with Cynthia, I'd like to ask all the the listeners, what would you do if this was your wife, daughter, mom, sister, etc., that was arrested and was being extorted for what she should, for really what should be a civil matter, if anything, pertaining to Cynthia? She had no intent. She was just selling a washing machine and a dryer. And for those that can't see me, I'm literally shaking my head. And, and I, I think as you're listening to this podcast right now, you would be shaking your head too, saying, what's going on? I mean, we've all been a victim of something, you know, a credit card. Um, we've taken bad checks, whether it's bad checks from clients, bad checks from tenants, um, bad checks from whoever. I mean, things happen. But that doesn't make you the criminal. It doesn't make you um, the person who intended to deceive the bank or anything like that. So it, it really, it, it's, it's frustrating. And Cynthia, I know you've been frustrated through this entire process. And it's not over yet. They're, they, they want money. And they want more than just the $1,500. Because now they want, besides the the $1,500 from the check that you received, which I'll be honest, I can understand that. I can understand if they say it was a bad check. Um, But, you know, at at the same token, 
who should be who should have to pay that money? You because you received it because you were selling merchandise, or the people that were trying to purchase that merchandise. So I, I have a hard time, you know, really trying to to wrap my head around that. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, if you had to pay fifteen hundred dollars back. And, and that's not easy for, for many of us this day and age who are all trying to work, especially when you're a single parent, you know, trying to support a household. It's very difficult. But not only do they want to charge $1,500, they want you to pay for all of the court costs, court fees. And the, the big ticket here is the the ride from the West Coast to the East Coast that you didn't ask for, that they didn't provide you with the opportunity to shower. They didn't provide you with the opportunity to change your clothes or put on new clothes. And I, I'm, I can't imagine that you had very good meals driving um, in that van for nine days, other than some fast food, I would assume. Um, mm-hmm. But am I right with all that? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're trying to right. tell me there's, there's, you're waiting to find out. I, I know that they they said that they would drop the charge, not drop. They, they should drop the charges. They were saying that they would make it a, a lower, a misdemeanor, I believe, right? Instead of a felony. And you need to pay all these fees, almost almost $5,000. Uh, is, is, is that right? 40, about 4200 but... Forty-two hundred, four thousand two hundred. Right. Okay. And not only that, though, you know, at this point, it's really it's it's paying money that you don't have. Um, yeah, and I don't want to keep asking my family for money. You know, they have their own bills and stuff, and this is not fair to them. Right. Is there anything, are there any suggestions? What would what would you tell people, you know, if they're trying to sell something online, you know, whether it's through Let It Go, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, anything? Like, it, has this incident changed how you feel about, you know, trying to sell things? Or would you do something different? Would you recommend that people do something different going forward? Definitely don't trust any of those apps anymore. Um, definitely don't. That got me obviously from someone you don't know. Um, right. You know, anything that can. And, and so, but if you did get money, is there anything that you would do differently? I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, and, and there's always stories. I always hear um, people who are, let's say you're um, selling an, an ATV or a car or something like that. You, know, you hear stories all the time where somebody says, oh, well, I want to test drive it, and they take off and never come back. You know, so those are things that you can you can try to um, combat, you know, by getting money up front or, you know, certain things. But we all have things to sell, and, you know, regardless of what platform you use to sell it. If you do and when you do, then what do you do? You receive a check. Um, you know, what, do, what are your thoughts? What are your suggestions? Yeah, meet and stand in person. I mean, even that's dangerous nowadays, you know? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like so, 
I just I recently just just had a, a client um, who I didn't talk to sent me um, sent me some uh, a whole case file that he wants me to work on for him and 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 a pretty decent sized check and I was concerned I went to the bank and I said here's a check I'm just I want to make sure that I'm not I'm not a victim of anything or they're not going to put a stop payment on it. They're not going to try to charge back. How long do I have to wait? And so the, the bank put an extra long hold on it, but they said really up to 30 days, somebody can say they can put a stop payment on it up to 30 days later. And so let's just say that check was for $5,000. If I'd cashed that check and spent that $5,000, 30 days later, 29 days later, somebody can make a, a request stop payment and now the bank is going to want to want that $5,000 back. So I guess my advice is, you know, keep that money in the bank for a minimum of 30 days. If there's something that you can't substantiate or, or, or confirm. Um, I also would think, you know, a money order, um, money orders are the way to go or, or a bank check, something that, can't be um, that the money is guaranteed or cash. Cash is always good, right? So, right. <laughs> you know, those are the things because it, it, it's not it's not fair to anybody. Um, but you're in a situation that I I, I feel terrible about. I, I've you know, as you know, I've I've been here for you, trying to do everything we can to support you, and it's frustrating to see somebody such a you know, an, an honest, caring person like yourself really become a victim. And I don't know why to this day, and, and I'll say this till I'm, I'm blue in the face, why they are charging you with this crime. I've talked to other peers. I've talked to people in the, in the Pennsylvania State Police. Nobody would have touched this case. Nobody, especially, you know, being on the other side of the coast. No, there's there's no police department. So, you know, again, why this county is, is putting this pressure on, uh, I, I don't know. I really don't. I just, I hope that we can, um, I hope that we can figure it out. And I hope that it can get easier and better for you because you don't deserve this for sure. Can I say something? While I was in the jail um, over there in Pennsylvania, that detective that um, I guess was fine to the case, he didn't come speak to me. He didn't, you know, so I'm, like, at a total loss right now. <laughs> um, you know, as to, like, why or... I mean, I know that you have said that he said, you know, sometimes you have to arrest the middleman, but... So so what you're, what you're saying, if I understand you correctly, I just, just want to recap this. You're saying that the entire time that you were in Pennsylvania... The detective or nobody from the police department, police department came to the, the jail to interview you or write, have you write a statement, give a statement, tell you what happened or tell them what happened. Nobody talked to you. No one. Folks, are, are you listening to this? Do you understand? There is an investigation that was done and, and somebody was arrested and nobody even went and talked to her. Now, they know that there was other people that were victims of this. 
And and there was one person that they couldn't arrest because he cashed the check. And this was the biggest check. It was almost $3,000. And I forget what state it was at. Ohio, maybe. Something makes me think Ohio. I don't know if you remember, Cynthia. But he wrote it. He, he cashed a check. And he cashed it at a Walmart store. And Walmart, they didn't follow their procedures. And they did not document, meaning they didn't make a photocopy um, or, or write down his driver's license. So that's the only way they, they got you and the other girls because you put it in your bank. They, they tracked it. <laughs> they traced it. It wasn't like you were trying to hide from anything, right? Right out in, in, in the plain view, you put it in your personal bank account, just like the other girl put it in her personal bank account. So the, the police called the bank and said, who owns this account? And, you know, there, there's, <laughs> there's no running from that. It's your account, right? This guy, this other person, went to a Walmart store, and Walmart cashed the check, but they couldn't go after him because they didn't know who he was. And then, like I said, there was others that attempted to. Some of them called this business, said, hey, there was one per- there I don't think I mentioned this earlier. There was a woman who was selling a wedding dress um, on, again, on one of the apps, whether Let It Go or Craigslist, whatever. She lived in West Virginia. And she was selling the wedding dress and she received this check from this same Pennsylvania business. And she thought it was a little funny and she went above and beyond, (coughs) excuse me. She went above and beyond and she called this business and said, Hey, somebody's trying to buy this dress, this wedding dress that I'm selling. And I got a check with your name on it. And they're like, no, don't cash it. Our checks were compromised. It's, it's fraud. You know, don't, don't, don't sell it. Don't take that check. So there was numerous phone calls that were made to this business like this. And what, what blows my mind is from what you're telling me that nobody came and talked to you. So people have to understand that yours was 1500 The other girl's was 2000 The other guy's was 3000 There's a lot of money out there on the streets, folks. This case could have been over $10,000, $20,000. <laughs> and the police weren't interested in who's writing these checks. They didn't they didn't want to interview Cynthia and say, "Hey, what did the person look like? Where 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 did you talk to him? What was the email? How did you communicate? What was their phone number?" Nothing. They didn't ask any of this information the whole time you were in Pennsylvania. That just boggles my mind. Thank you for sharing that. That's an important part of this this whole conversation. Is there anything else that you can think of that we missed? I believe so. I don't. I mean, you know, I'm just waiting for my lawyer now to give me a call and see where it goes from there. <laughs> right. So this this really basically is to to be continued because we're not sure what the outcome is. They're they're waiting to uh, see whether there's going to be another trial because. Um, they want a lot of money up front, and they're they're not willing to make a to to make a payment plan. Cynthia is trying to do everything she can to fix this to make it go away. I mean, she's obviously cooperated; she didn't have a choice, but she was a victim. And so, with that being said, you know, hopefully they'll they'll somebody's going to hear this and somebody's going to say, "What the heck?" And and really, this is where the government needs to get involved. We need to fix things and make things right. Because they're really, as the title of the show is, 
there is no truth and justice for all. There, there really isn't. Because if there was, Cynthia, you would not have gone through any of this. So thank you for taking the time to be on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm sorry you still have to deal with this. And, you know, hopefully we can make it go away sooner than later. I hope you get to enjoy your holiday season. And I hope uh, your New Year uh, 2020 is better than 2018 and 2019 has been for you. Thank you. With that said, we're going to wrap up. Um, thank you for listening. Happy New Year's. May 2020 be a great year for everyone, and may all the wrongful arrests and convictions be overturned. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider giving it a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. As we continue to increase our listener base, we appreciate your positive reviews. Cynthia, thank you again for joining us today. And to all the listeners, have a great 2020. Happy New Year's. Thank you for listening to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? We can be heard Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join host Jeff Stein for another edition of the program next week. 